On this episode of Resi Week, we talk terms and conditions, JetBuilt goes global, and Lutron's tiny house. All this and more on this episode of Resi Week. The network for the AV industry. What are you listening to? This. This is AV. This. This. This is AV Nation. This is AV Nation. This is Resi Week, episode 369, all about presentation. Welcome to this episode of Resi Week. This is your weekly roundup of all the latest news and stories for the residential AV industry. I'm your host, Matt D. Scott for TV, And this week, we're pleased to be joined by uh, two of my good friends. First, we have Katie McGregor-Bennett. She's the president of KM- KMB Communications. How are you doing, Katie? I'm doing great. Thanks. You know, it's a new company name, that whole KMB, you know. Stop it. <laughs> It, it, it's great to be here. Thanks for the invite. <laughs> I've known you forever, like like most people that are on the show. But I'm in that anchor man mode of if it's on the text, we read it and it's fine. And as I move the window slightly, uh, it brought out the preferences pages and blocked the title of your company. Cool. So that's just very I'm helpful. Sorry. My apologies. <laughs> Next, we have my good friend Paul Dexter. He's the founder of JetBuilt, who we've totally met multiple times before. <laughs> How you doing, Paul? Yes, we have totally met. Yes. Our people tell us we have. Just we have, <laughs> which makes it true. Mm-hmm. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we are going to kick today off with one of my favorite topics. This comes to us from CE Pro. Is your business fully protected? Uh, probably not, uh, which is very polite, a very polite way to say 100% no, you, you are not protected. Uh, without terms and conditions agreements in place, Integrators could be liable from costs from cyber attacks or even late product deliveries. Great article from Richard Frank here uh, covering a bunch of different things. Um, But specifically, there's a couple of real world situations that he mentions. Uh, A Cali integrator uh, that had a client's network hacked and they wanted compensation for that. A Florida integrator who was blamed because their client's new $50,000 custom door didn't work with the smart locks. There's a shock. Uh, And a New York integrator who was held responsible for the cost of delays caused by equipment not showing up on time. Uh, So read through the article. It covers a a lot of really good things and and some key provisions and terms, uh, as well as important forms to include. Katie, I want to start with you on this. I appreciate uh, what Richard wrote here. And I really appreciate that he's giving some real world examples of what you should do, uh, et cetera, et cetera. Um, I will fully disclose that I come from a family family of lawyers and we have probably more legalese than most. Um, writing this yourself or using LegalZoom or something like that is great. Having a real world business liability lawyer or firm look at this for you is better. What do, what do you need to do as, as an integrator, as a, as a marketer um, to make sure that you're doing the best you can to protect yourself? So a a few things. And um, unlike you, there's nobody in legal profession in my family and I am not a lawyer and I do not claim to be one. And everything I say here is basically just my opinion, right? Okay. We put that stipulation out there. That's a very good legal. (laughs) I like it. (laughs) 
<laughs> so I have that on a script, Matt. It's up on my, yeah. um, no, I don't, but no, my, my opinion on, on the matter is it it's, this is akin to making sure that you've got a primary care doctor, not because you're going to need to go to the doctor every day or very frequently, we all hope, but you want to be in the system and you want to have a professional ready to go when you do have a need. So I absolutely apply that to the legal profession. And I think that every business needs to have a legal counsel that they're established air quote in the system so that you're not scrambling to find the right party when the scenarios do come up. And notice I said, when, not if they do come up because they will come up. And it's just a matter of how fast you can respond uh, may may indicate the the outcome being either more or less in your favor. So, you know, I think with all with all businesses, you need to have all the, the right professionals in your court and have them ready to go when you need them. So I would absolutely, absolutely. And then I think you also need to take a really good close look at the services that you're providing and making sure that you've got the right language in place on all of your contracts, your proposals, your estimates, any communications that are going out to a potential prospect, make sure that that language is digestible. There's two things. Matt mentioned legalese and having a lot of it, and that's great for those who understand legalese, but most common consumers don't. So you know, make sure that it is a digestible conversation that you're having when it is direct lining to where liability falls when something goes south. And it, you know, the, the, the lock in the door, that's a perfect scenario. How many smart locks are we installing right now? And now smart doors are coming into play. I mean, it's all over coming out of CES, you know, the Masonite, <laughs> that door I think has gotten more promotion and I'm a huge fan. So, you know, those, those little things where you wouldn't necessarily be thinking about it at the outset of a project, you need to start thinking about this a little bit more deeply as more and more products are being connected. And I would even throw that more and more heavy usage products that may have a bigger implication on the life or the life cycle of your clients, you know, as, as, as vehicles become more autonomous and driving on their own, you know, these, there's additional advances in technology that are outside of the home space that we need to make sure we're covering, um, when it comes into the home, what happens next. So long-winded way of saying it by hundred percent agree is yeah, absolutely. you got to have coverage in place. Yeah, it's a really good point. Uh, the only thing I'll push back on you with this, um, I don't care if my customers can understand the terms and conditions at all that that is on them True. i want it True. to cover us as much as humanly possible and if you want a great example call up adt and get a contract from them don't sign it i'm not encouraging you to sign it but go get one and read it because it is shocking they cover nothing it is phenomenal paul one of the one of the pushbacks I I get and uh, we were talking pre-show again I come from a family of lawyers every time I've had an issue in my own company where there's a dispute that goes a little bit beyond just a yeah no we'll solve that no problem um, the second I say yeah sure I'm a, I'll forward this to our lawyers and they'll get back to you with the exception of two instances that has stopped that conversation instantly. Hmm. Now, my lawyers are also uh, corporate commercial lawyers. They're not, you know, somebody who does real estate. How important is it to, you know, we vet our, our vendors all the time. How important is it to vet your, your lawyers, your accountants, all your professional services to make sure that they understand what it is that we do? Boy, didn't expect that question. I was going to comment on the general story. <laughs> Sorry, I spun it a little bit. <laughs> yeah, you sure did. No, that's but that's really uh, that's really interesting. Uh, uh, 
um, clearly, you know, vetting the people that are, it's no different than vetting employee, you know, potential hires and, and, uh, and subcontractors and, 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 uh, or vetting clients, right? I didn't learn to vet clients until uh, uh, years in, right? Mm-hmm. I'm like, if a client has a checkbook and they need a system, I'm going to give them a price. Then I start realizing, oh, yeah, yeah, that's not a client based on, uh, you know, a friend of mine who may have done some work for them. And, uh, that's a client I may need to be careful about or, or uh, go in with a different kind of tactic. And then, and then, uh, yeah, hundred percent when it comes to the, the people you work for, like, um, I don't have lawyers in my family. My dad was always like, you know, he wouldn't work for a lawyer in, 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 as a, as a client. And so I had this weird taste of vendors until they became a lot of my good friends or lawyers now. And I, and, uh, and I really respect their profession and their challenges. Right. Um, yeah. There's, there's some, there's some bad lawyers maybe, or some crazy lawyers that are causing some of the problems that we've got, but most of the lawyers are here to protect a, their clients, but also just, maintain peace right because mm-hmm. uh because a good lawyer will not just escalate to to you know defend their their client or you know me as the integrator in this case but also to just provide peace for the situation put the fire out right and and so uh for that respect i think that there are a, a, a lot of good choices of of uh, of finding those uh think I'm answering your question kind of in the sense of if if you're looking for a lawyer, if you're looking for help in these areas. Um, And I, you know, I admit that when I was integrating, I didn't have, I had a legal zoom style uh, uh, TNC for my company. And I, you know, we did solid work. We stayed out of any, there was never a complaint bigger than we couldn't just resolve. So it never grew out of that. And we're doing some pretty fairly large scale uh, commercial projects with with crazy liability issues of thousands of pounds of speakers and lighting hanging overheads and so forth, but all of it can be resolved within reason. I guess is my point, right? Yeah. So one thousand percent to Katie's uh, recommendation of you absolutely need to be secure. You absolutely need to be protected. On the other hand, you have to couple that with with doing the right job, right, and serving mm-hmm. your client uh, before. They say, why is this screwed up? And we, you know, you owe us this. When, if you're proactive, I think this when all of life, if you're proactive, you're, you're staying out of trouble, right? Do the right job, do the right work, do your job to make sure you got the right smart lock um, and so forth. It keeps you out of the legal trouble. Have it in your pocket, like you said, have it ready to go like your primary care physician. But going in legal, oddly enough, I'm dealing with an issue today. Someone who started legal, this is just a dumb little employment issue, but they start legal. Like, why do you start at 11? Let's start at one. Let's start with, hey, I thought it meant that, you know? Mm. You always start there rather than, you know what? Let's start calling lawyers. That's always my pushback. That was my dad's pushback, right? Yeah. And so uh, I'm not sure if I answered your question or I just answered no, the great. question I wanted to answer. <laughs> no, it's... <laughs> That's fantastic. All right, let's change topics for a second. This comes to us from Residential Systems. JetBuilt expands with a global market in mind. Uh, Jonathan Brecken Rowe joins the company to lead business development and customer relations in EMEA. Uh, obviously, it's it's great that Paul is here to speak to this a little bit. Um, but long and short, if you haven't been following along, JetBuilt has been moving globally and continues to expand on that, uh, bringing in Jonathan to, uh, as I form, aforementioned, um, work in EMEA. Paul, tell us a little bit more about, you know, the the move into global, which obviously you guys started a while ago, uh, but you continue to to push into that. And uh, 
where where it's going from there. Yeah, I, I think, uh, and, and as in full disclosure, some of this really applies to commercial integrators, of which I know there are so many that are both. Obviously, a lot mm-hmm. of Jetbuilt uh, clients do a lot of both, but the it's it's you know it, it's it's probably understood that more commercial integrators have offices around the world than residential integrators, right? And that isn't to say um, uh, anything about either one, but but we know a few that are residential players that'll have an office in London and New York or uh, London and LA, but by and large, it's the it's the large commercial integrators that do more of that. So a lot of our, a lot of this story really does serve for the the commercial folks uh, who struggle with those um, 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 international uh, situations, not just particular laws. We were talking about this before the show. Mm-hmm. Uh, for example, Canada, there are so many odd, unique uh, rules and you know tax uh, codes. And, uh, and, 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 uh, procurement, you know, simple purchasing, everything is different. Um, uh, you guys aren't just nicer people. You also do things differently. And, uh, <laughs> um, but, uh, but so it's taken Jetbuilt years to understand and learn those. Uh, and then of course with Europe, uh, and in Europe, so many countries that operate differently in such a tight area, you know, every, every one of the, like the ISE shows, the international shows, uh, will do. I stay after a week or two and I visit uh, integrators in these different countries. Uh, like this last uh, after ISC was in Switzerland and Germany and visiting integrators to learn what is it about this thing that makes that be taxed this way? And why is it about that that makes this work that way? And why is this thing bought direct this thing to this? Like there's so many different things than the way we operate here. So this this global campaign is 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 you know, could be conceived as Jetbuilt's just trying to grow globally. That's not really the story. The story is understanding and learning this global market because it's a big challenge. It's a big challenge for for quoting platforms like ours, but it's a big challenge for integrators that work in multiple markets, right? And so many of our integrators work in these multiple markets and projects need to be collaborated on between offices, perhaps, because maybe you have all your engineers in one state or country and but the sales teams are in other countries and, and fulfillment so so that's really the story the story is about us understanding and learning that's why we hired guys like jonathan in in, in england to who understand he was with kramer for a long long time there and grew their business there so it's for us gaining boots on the ground as well as just big understanding through through visits and and, and this growth to uh, hopefully help serve this global market because the world is shrinking. I mean, it continues yeah. to do so and it's doing so at a faster and faster pace, I feel, even from yeah, 10 years really, ago. That's a really good point. All right, let's change topics uh, uh, for a second. This also comes to us from Residential Systems. Lutron debuts its tiny home experience at the Palooza down in Phoenix or, or Glendale, I should say, uh, at the Renaissance Hotel and Spa. Uh, what they did, if you if you weren't following social at all, is they brought a 400 square foot tiny home, set it up outside, and it was a, a complete demo uh, experience there. Katie, you were you were on site with this, so I, I want to start with you on this one. How effective was it? Because um, and I haven't been to Light of Palooza, but I've been to a couple of their other events, and it's mostly a tabletop show. And I don't mean that in any way other than it's a tabletop show, just like when Cedia does their um, uh, their their roadshow, right? It's a tabletop show. There's a couple things that can be demoed, but it's a tabletop show. It is what it is. 
what did it mean and, and what was the the experience of Lutron bringing the tiny home and having those dealers, those integrators being able to walk through that experience? So a um, couple of things. Um, for the first time in the history of ever, I'm actually going to disagree with you because um, that never happens. But actually, that this isn't a tabletop show. So this was so the so big light bulb moment. Oh, wow. Did there. Um, it's not a it, light of Palooza is no longer a tabletop show. This is a ballroom full of actual booths. Maybe one brand had a tabletop like so that the was pictures the I saw look like tabletop shows. Yeah, no, no, no. So I mean, that's like actual, not the story. <laughs> actual booths. No, but it is important because it, it actually ties directly into is is this was lighting manufacturers brought small versions of of their booths, smaller versions that you would see in a KBiz, smaller versions of of Lutron booths, and you'd see it at CD Expo. But it's the demo that is being provided in these booths that is absolutely changing the perspective. Now over to the tiny home. This was one of my favorite demos of of the entire show, and partly because it really put everything into perspective. And it's one thing to see a demo as part of a series of demos that are on the floor. And while you're seeing this brand go through their demonstration of their thing, you can't help but be distracted by people walking by, by lights over mm -hmm. here in another booth. You know, you're not get you're not getting a focused demo in the tiny home that Lutron had that Jesse Silva and the PAVE crew did. And I think we need to call out the work that Jesse has done on this because this is a model that he's been developing and it goes well beyond this tiny home mm -hmm. and this single demo. There's a whole business model behind this that he's got cooking that it really is bringing demo into the, to where people are. And if you've heard me on this show before, I'm always really big on saying meet people where they are. And this is a way to get a demo that is really applicable and is really, really tangible. The way that Ketra demos anyways is really amazing. But being able to show within the home experience how daylight affects that room or in the tiny home, the three rooms that are all very closely connected, you can see how daylight going through the course of the day really changes and how every aspect of that kitchen, that sitting room the and the bedroom beyond it, you could actually see how that really impacted the light in the room and therefore your life. So it was one of the most impactful demos. You know, has it has it the first time it's ever been done? No. But the fact that this demo is being provided to others outside of our industry and outside of our vacuum, this is the thing that gets me really excited. And I cannot yeah. stress enough, we need to be doing this. I pulled five different short videos of just the Ketra demo of the different phases of this, put it on my Facebook and just alerted my designer friends, friends, take a look at this. This is why you need to know Ketra, but you can't have Ketra unless you go through an integrator. So it just further reinforces why the integration channel and the, mm -hmm. and the community is really important. So show the people what they want, but that they can't have unless there's an integrator involved and we are winning. And that this mm -hmm. to me is like the more that we can do this and some people are doing full homes, that's awesome. This is a way to be a little bit smaller in scale, but still deliver a big experience. And I, I really, it's just, if we could get an integrator doing this in every market, we would see our community rising above. I mean, this is just, this makes it tangible. This You can't have mm -hmm. this from Home Depot, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, right. you know, four cans and a fan man isn't gonna make this happen for you, but an mm -hmm. integrator will. And that's the story mm -hmm. we need to be telling and, and what we need to be showing. Yeah, that's a really good point. Paul, we've, we've debated on this show for years, the death and then the rebirth and then the death and then the rebirth that never ending life cycle of the dealer's showroom. And I've, I've got integrator friends that have showrooms. I have ones that have uh, quote unquote vignettes or, or, or little showrooms in a builder's home or a renovator's property or a partner's location. 
Uh, I've even got a few that have a trailer that they've outfitted that they can tow to a client's house, um, set up in front and let them walk inside and experience something. I think we're back to the point where the majority of technology that is really exciting has to be experienced, whether it's audio, video, lighting, I, I don't care. You can't explain to someone how awesome 8K video is unless they can actually see it in a controlled environment. And then they go, yeah, I totally need that. Are we right. back? Right. Has the industry bought back into the concept of the demo? Yeah, I, I think, I think it should be. Uh, I think that it's, it's, it's amazing. If I were still integrating today, I would 1000% have some sort of a, a trailer motorhome bus. I mean, a sprinter's van is too small for the things I would want to do. Like I, I, I love, love this, this, uh, concept. Um, we talked a little bit about like as a commercial integrator, I didn't have a showroom. I didn't, and I shied away from like showing five variations of a, of a PDZ camera to a client. I would usually just call five reps and say, these people want to see them all do it. And I'll talk to them after you guys do all that. Cause I wasn't willing to go down that road, but, um, having them in a facility because, cause it's all the setup every time demoing and setting up. I mean, you know, I remember needing to hear these particular community speakers to see if they would work on this football field. And the rep had to, you know, lug this stuff around, set this stuff up, find this crazy parking lot, do this thing. That's a big example. But the point is demoing stuff, large and small, there's just so much setup to it. And, uh, and the, and the wow factor of some of this stuff and, and, and the likely time of configuring it, pre-configuring it means having it in a, in a, in a go to the client, show up and show them all the, 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 the wow stuff. And particularly with this, with this thing, with the shades, mm -hmm. because it was outside, because the shades, like it was a, and that would be the same as a motorhome parked in front of a house, right? You've got the shades, you can demo the shades, you can demo, demo how the sun affects it. You can, uh, all that to say a thousand percent. I, I, I always thought this idea of the showroom kind of being bygone was odd to me because I thought it was so powerful in the residential market, particularly, right? Because, because in the residential market, the homeowners aren't, they're not getting trade publications, you know, the way a lot of commercial, uh, uh, AV, uh, commercial AV, you know, technical directors or whatever, they're at least seeing stuff. They're at least going to some shows. The homeowners yeah. aren't going to shows, you know, and so they do need it brought to them. And I'm just a massive fan of, of this and, uh, and the mobile, the mobile showroom environment. Let me ask you both this then. If, if an integrator doesn't want to, can't, whatever, whatever acronym you want to throw in there. Um, if they can't justify or, or facilitate a, uh, like a, a large scale RV, right. Or a towable. I, I think about some of our friends in the tri-state area, right. There's no way Feinberg is going to drive around Manhattan with a tiny home behind him. Um, what, how do you do demos effectively? Cause, cause again, Paul, you were talking about, you know, the time it takes to set it up, to tear it back down. I've had vendor reps come up to me and, and pitch me a suitcase full of outdoor speakers that I'm supposed to go to a client's house and stick in the ground and go, Hey, look, yeah. this could be yours right. in a terrible, yeah. uh, wheel of fortune type moment. Uh, no, wait, price is right. That, that'd be price is right. Um, <laughs>
what do you do? Is there, is there an effective middle ground? Uh, it can still happen. I mean, frankly, again, because, uh, a, if an integrator is, is, is worth their salt, you know, and they care about the systems they do, they care. And they also care just simply about their own bottom line or top line. You're going to upsell by, by this experience, right? Mm-hmm. You're going to close more deals. You're going to close more of them, more money by showing off this stuff. So I don't, I don't think the cost should be a barrier. And, uh, you know, getting a used Sprinter van. And I would say, yeah, I know Manhattan seems like a bizarre place to pull around a trailer, but you, you know, you can drive a Sprinter van around Manhattan and you can put this thing the best you can in a Sprinter van and you're, and you're pulling up in front of their brownstone or whatever it is. And they step inside that they can see that 8K TV and they can experience the shades. They can experience some lighting. They can experience the commands. And so I still believe it can happen. I don't think there's a urban environment too tight to be able to fit a sprinter van into for this type of thing. Um, If you want to be heads, you know, I'm all about presentation. I'm always Mm -hmm. about presentation. I've sold more jobs over competitors that were probably better qualified and, 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 and probably lesser expensive than me because my presentation was simply better. Um, And and, I mean, okay, that sounds like I'm boasting, but my point is the times I did win was the times my presentation was better. Maybe it wasn't always, right? But I felt like it was the presentation that won the projects the times I won it. So with that qualification. And so um, pulling up with this, when everybody else pulls up in a Prius and shows them a bunch of pictures and shows them a bunch of websites and says, why don't you drive over there to Jersey where we got a showroom and you can do this and this and this. Yeah. It's like, no, the guy that shows them in a Sprinter van um, and, and shows them what this stuff can do. I still believe there's amazing power in that. Yeah. From a marketing perspective. So, you know, a couple, couple things come to mind um, is, is that there are other showrooms. Um, and this is something that is continuing to be built out and uh, there are other opportunities. Granted, it's not your work and it isn't your showroom, but other, but manufacturers do have experience centers now popping up in more and more locations, mm-hmm. obviously the larger metros. So, um, you know, I myself am not in one of those, so that isn't something that I get to take advantage of. And I certainly understand others are in the same situation, but more and more manufacturers are getting involved either with their own experience center or showrooms, or they're partnering with others to make, to make those available. So I think, you know, it's kind of Make sure that you know of the brands that you work with from the integrator's perspective is which ones have have showrooms and that make those available to the outside. Um, and then the other thing is, you know, whether you have the means or not, as you look at your at your bank account, look at more of what the volume of your purchases stand for. You've heard me talk about this before is there are there is a mechanism for getting funds from your manufacturers that you do volume with to secure funding for additional marketing activities. Marketing development funds are a great source of opportunity. So have that conversation. Most manufacturers that you're buying from directly will have this. It is volume-based, but there are also special circumstances. So if you can put together a plan for a, for an event or something that you wanna do that's going to increase the visibility for, you, for your brand and therefore by extension theirs, put that proposal in front of them and see if they would be offering offering to, to pony up some additional funds for you to make that happen. As you look at that, what other brands or what other resources in your area might might be good players in that? You're hearing more and more about integrators partnering with designers, partnering with lighting designers. You know, So right there, you've got three parties that potentially could, could participate in the expense of a space, and all three of those parties would have a vested interest in it. So you know, we're looking at ways to align with the adjacent trades, as I call them, and this is a great opportunity to do it. Everyone needs somewhere to take their clients and show them the experience that they want to have to curate that experience in order to get the projects you want. Don't just look at your own bank account. Look at look at your partners and how they might participate. 
Let's leave it there. Thank you both so much for joining us. Paul, if people want to connect with you, learn more about JetBuilt, where can they do that? Yeah, they can go to JetBuilt.com, J-E-T-B-U-I-L-T.com, or dot any other kind of major uh, thing, and it'll probably work. (laughs) (laughs) Excellent. Katie, if people want to connect with you, learn more about KMB, where can they do that? Yeah, so you can follow KMB Communications all over the sphere. We're the one with the mountain in our logo. You can find me at Katie McGregor or Katie McGregor Bennett across all the social handles. Excellent. Thank you again for joining us. If you'd like to connect with me, you can find me on Twitter at Matt D. Scott and most other social platforms. But more importantly, please visit avionation.tv where you'll find this show as well as a wide variety of other shows with all the verticals that we cover. When you visit the website, please take a moment to check out our supporters. We are extremely thankful for their support and ask that you check them out as well. Thanks again for watching. That's all the time we have for this episode of Resi Week. 